Hello, welcome to the Sharp Angles Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Rich Rebar and TA, team over here at Sharp Football Analysis. Guys, it is week 14. Somehow that happened already. We got full slate of games. Uh, everything is supposed to be played, I think, when it's supposed to be played. So, so that's nice. Um, and we're really hitting the, the home stretch here. Fantasy playoffs, I get a home stretch for the actual playoffs. So as we uh, head into uh, this week, how are we doing? Real good, man. I mean, we're through the scheduled buys. Uh, Remains to be seen if we do get any, like, wrenches thrown in these last uh, four weeks. But, you know, I thought maybe after as bad as week 12 was and then the holiday right afterwards, I was kind of like, ooh, I don't know what's going to happen the rest of the way out. But last week we got through unscathed. Uh, This week everything's scheduled just for Thursday, Sunday, and Monday. So fingers crossed that this thing's going to go as planned this week. Yeah, and I thought that you know when Des Bryant got pulled from uh, from that game that we would see some some issues. It's probably I don't even I'm not even sure if it's been confirmed that it was a positive test, but it might have been a false positive. But anyway, they uh, I think you know I think some of the changes in protocols the last two weeks has really helped. Uh, I commented uh, last week that you know I I mean there was only a couple of players that were even on the you know tested positive and this week i mean have there been any i, I don't i don't really know um of many the at Panth- all so the panthers have something going yeah the on panthers do and but they were they were on a buy so you know that mm-hmm. was like the one thing so uh, you know i think that you know the nfl for all the flack they got and they get i mean it seems like they've kind of got it you know under control knock on wood i'm sure there'll be a positive test here after uh, after i say that but you know i think in general you know they've kind of gotten through the tough parts and and i think at this point you know especially with the playoff teams like if you're if you're a guy on the on, on one of these teams like you don't want to be the, the guy to screw it up and to get you know cause an outbreak and you know could potentially cost cost your team, you know, some rest here or, you know, uh, issues down the stretch uh, heading to the playoffs. And, you know, there are game checks involved in the playoffs too. So that, that's, uh, you know, I think you're going to see a lot more, you know, responsibility from the players. Now the question would be if you're on one of these bad teams that you, know, you haven't, you have no shot at the playoffs, you know, uh, do you really have that much incentive to follow all the rules? I, I, you know, I'm not sure. And hopefully it doesn't come to that. But uh, but in general, I'm, you know, I think this week's slate of games are pretty good. And we've got a nice balance again. We love the balance of one o'clock and four o'clock games. I think the four o'clock slate is, is pretty good. And then the Sunday night, Monday night, kind of AFC North uh, centric, uh, uh, you know, games going on in prime time, I think are really good. I think Steelers, Bills and Browns, Ravens, you got two games that, have spreads of you know less than three points so um some good action going on and you know can't, i'd be remiss if i didn't mention you know dan's giants and uh, our browns are headed to a collision course next monday or yeah next sunday night um so uh you know all all good stuff we have the browns are back-to-back primetime games where they should be uh but uh should be should be good stuff going forward the giants baby they're they're still cooking dan <laughs> colt mccoy can't stop this train Dan tried to bury him week one, and I said, no, you got to keep him on, and look at him now. The, the, Joe Judge is, you know, right in the ship. That's a good defense. Like, what's going on here, Dan? We can't, we can't start the show without you giving, giving a Giants pick. They're still bad. <laughs> I don't know. What, what are we doing? They're still you bad. Know, they went into Seattle and, and won. How dare you say they're bad? Yeah, bad teams can't do that. Sure they can. 
<laughs> sure they can. Do they can if the left tackle for Seattle is a Wheeler guy? That was the Chad worst Wheeler. performance was, I've ever seen. Yeah, he was a, a former Giant a couple years ago. Oh, horrible. Uh, I mean, what what they are doing is, you know, Patrick Graham is doing a good job. I think it's kind of what we talked about with Miami last year. They were, you know, doing good things, just didn't have the talent. Um, Patrick Graham was the defensive coordinator of Miami last season. He's now the defensive coordinator of the Giants. He's doing some good things. They did a lot of really like good things against Seattle, a lot of disguising coverages. They were very big cover three defense going into that game. They shifted to a lot more cover two or just two high safeties, a lot of late rotations, a lot of, um, you know, uh, sending some corner blitzes, but just filling in still, there was only rushing four. So just a lot of looks that Russell Wilson uh, wasn't ready for. And one thing with Seattle, especially, uh, it, it's not so much the the two high safeties are, you know, confusing Russell Wilson and stopping the passing attack, but that's really put a damper on what DK Metcalf has been able to do. And when teams are running too high against Seattle, that's really put down uh, DK Metcalf's numbers. He says uh, only 27 targets and 17 receptions, uh, and 308 yards against uh, too high coverage, 57 targets and 36 receptions for 740 yards against single high coverage. So that really shifts what DK Metcalf can do. And if DK Metcalf isn't going for those explosive plays, that kind of changes what Seattle can do. So that was a really good plan by the Giants. Um, I, I don't know how many uh, other teams they're going to be able to you know, figure out to to do that against you know, the Giants offense still uh, cannot do anything, whether it's Colt McCoy or Daniel Jones, they just don't have an explosive offense. It's a, an offense that is throwing the ball one to 10 yards uh, past the line of scrimmage, like 60% of the time. And they can't run after the catch. They don't have guys who can do that anymore. Like golden Tate was supposed to be able to do that. He doesn't really have that ability. They don't have the separation or the, the spacing in the scheme to have these open catches. So they're throwing short uh, into tight windows. And that's just uh that's not a recipe for a good offense. So they're still bad. They're still a five and seven team. If any team in that division, like even had seven wins, we wouldn't even be talking about the giants as, you know, a, a possible frisky team. So it's just, they're still like 24th in DVOA. Um, so uh, as fun as it is uh, to like, kind of see they're, they're technically in the lead for the NFC East, it's still not a good team. Well, stay, stay with them then, because uh, are they a live dog again this week? I mean, first of all, they're the best team as underdogs against the spread this season. They've been the, by far the best bet. Uh, they're 8-2 and two against the spread as underdogs. And they're home dogs, less than a field goal, to the, this Cardinals team that outside of a Hail Mary would have lost five straight games. Uh, and we've seen this with Kyler. You know, we talked about it last week a little bit, too. If he's not going to run, this offense gets exploited because they're just not creative. They do the same thing in the passing game. I mean, they, they don't throw over the middle of the field. They just line up DeAndre Hopkins in one spot on 85% of his, his snaps. And they don't, make, they don't make it hard on the defense. So if he's not running, he has nine designed rushing attempts the past three games, whether if they want to say it's related to teams slowing down the run or his shoulder injury. And his depth of target is 1.6 yards lower than it was through nine games. So they can keep saying the shoulder isn't a big deal, but uh, it's not playing out in his usage uh, and deployment so far. And if they're not going to be able to come up with something creative against this Giants defense, is this another game that is probably going to be lower scoring and going to give the Giants a chance to be an absolute live dog at home again? Yeah, and you look at, I mean, with Hopkins, you know, if you can, you know, if Murray's not, if you can force Murray to, to hand the ball off and not keep it, and you've got a corner, a legit corner who can cover Hopkins, and we've got one here in Bradbury, like that is the formula. It's really like that simple because, like you said, they don't move Hopkins around. Like, how can, 
I don't understand Cliff Kingsbury. Like, I don't, I'm not really sure he's a smart, like what, what he was supposed to bring this innovative offense to the NFL and, but he doesn't really do anything. Like you said, it's just like, it's like the same thing over and over. And he doesn't know when to go for it on fourth down necessarily. He doesn't know when to kick. Like he doesn't do, he doesn't have positive EV um, uh, decision-making here. I, I, don't, I just don't know what he's doing here. You got to be, if you're De- DeAndre Hopkins, you got to be really frustrated because it's like, well, why am I just sitting here in the same spot over and over? You know, they, the defense knows what I'm going to do. Like move me around, like get me in different spots, put me in the slot, like do things to uh to open open it up and they just don't do it so um yeah i, I don't know dan how do, how do you think this matchup uh, works out for the giants i mean i know offensively you know who knows if they're gonna be able to score enough but you know the cardinals might not be able to score here yeah i think that's definitely what shifted as we've looked at this matchup over the past couple of weeks it's kind of when you like kind of looked at comparing the NFC East schedules, if you were looking at who was going on, the Giants kind of had that tough schedule because they had Seattle, they had Arizona. Obviously, they got past Seattle uh, barely, and Arizona now does not look like as big of a threat as it did a couple weeks ago, and a lot of that is the offense. So this is going to come down to what that offense looks like and what they have done to adapt. And for one thing Cliff Kingsbury has been able to do, I think he's adapted quite well normally. I mean, he wanted to do one thing when he set out at the beginning of last year that that shifted a, a lot to the second half of last season. I think they brought in a, a little more in the first half of this season. So how they adapt now when there clearly is a, a struggle, I think that's what he's been able to do is when something isn't working, he's been able to figure it out. It might take him a little long to figure out that what he's doing is struggling, but I think once that becomes apparent, they're working out. So I, I don't think this... Arizona offense is going to look like this for the rest of the season. Um, And I think that's probably pending a a legitimate Kyler Murray injury, because like we said, he's just not running. We talked about that the past couple of weeks. Um, He's also just not taking off and and scrambling either uh, when he could, when there is potentially open space and not just the read options where maybe the defensive ends are are crashing or, or uh, just uh, keeping contain on him and not making him run. So I think how we see uh, Arizona really go about this because like you said it's the DeAndre Hopkins on the ISO side uh, and the Giants are going to have James Bradbury they they do have a corner able to do that so um, if if Murray's healthy and he's going to be able to run the, the Gi- I don't think the Giants have the athleticism to to keep up with that and uh arizona is probably going to be able to score but if again if if that's not an option in the passing offense it is very limited because that's just and it's not really you know a a knock on murray it's just kind of how that passing game set up especially um if Larry fitzgerald isn't going to play that the offensive talent there still just really isn't there uh, at the other wide receiver position so you're asking a lot of guys that just aren't good and just haven't been able to click yet so that's why DeAndre Hopkins was, you know, so uh, important to that early part of the season. So I, I think it, depending on how healthy Murray is um, and how much they're able to involve him in the run game is going to be uh, what really uh, shifts this this game and, and how close it's going to be. Yeah, and you look at I me, mean, the Giants are ninth in the NFL the last five weeks in terms of uh, success rate on defense. Arizona's 30th. Now, I know schedule matters here a little bit, but, you know, teams have been able to score on the Cardinals um, to some extent. So, I mean, even Miami, who doesn't have a good offense, had 34 and two his first start on the road. So, 
you know, you might be able to get some success here. And I think this is a lower scoring game. It's, you know, maybe similar to the, that New England uh, Arizona game a couple of weeks ago is 2017. And, you know, I think Cam threw under 100 yards. But, um, you know, I just think this is going to be a, a grinded out game and probably going to come down to the end. And it's a matter of, you know, does Cliff, <laughs> does he make the right decisions? But, um, I mean, for, personally, I'm not betting this side. So, um, and I think the Giants actually could be a decent teaser option if anybody's looking to, to tease there. Uh, and I'll have some other teaser options uh, as we, we go go along here. But, um, you know, th- I think it's going to be a solid game. And, look, there's a couple of weeks ago you would have said this is, you know, you would have marked off a loss for the Giants. Now it's extremely live. So, you know, this is a huge swing game for them, I think, when it comes to the division. Because I think, you know, I, I, it's funny. I wrote an article two weeks ago about the NFC East and saying Dallas had – had some value because I thought that they would be able to beat Washington. And now that looks awful. They're 25 to one to win the division and the giants are right at the top here. So uh, this is a huge swing game. If Arizona could beat the giants and Dallas beat Cincinnati, you know, they're right back in it. And I think that, and they're going to end up playing each other. So, um, you know, I think if the giants win this game, they, they have a pretty good track here uh, going forward. So um, really, uh, really curious to see. I, I'm just waiting for them to, to win again and, me send uh send a nice twitter note to uh to dan here that he's got to keep talking about the giants every week and i know he doesn't want to do it but he's going to keep talking about it as long as they're in the playoff line we got to do it gotta do it <laughs> I, I don't think we do but uh <laughs> as so let's let's move on uh there's uh like we kind of noted uh, at the top there are a lot of uh good games on this week so uh what else is uh was catching your eye uh this week as we jump in further into the week well, I mean, we could save the Buffalo-Pittsburgh to the end. I mean, that's obviously the marquee game. They got this one right on the schedule. Because this game wasn't flexed, right? This is a scheduled from the beginning, right? Uh, this, so, this, yeah. one, this one they got right. I mean, Minnesota-Tampa Bay, probably of the early games, is the most intriguing. You know, Tampa Bay out of a, you know, coming out of that bye. Uh, it's me curious to see what they fix defensively. You know, I mean, is it, you know, from that point where they shut down Aaron Rodgers, that, was a, that, that defense has struggled. Um, they are 26th in, in pat, uh, yards allowed per passing play uh, over that stretch. They've been, they've been straight up roasted, uh, you know, outside of what a second half against the Panthers when Teddy Bridgewater was, was knocked out of the game. They've given up just a, a plethora of yards. Um, and this Vikings team has thrown the ball a lot better this past month. They haven't really faced a, a great schedule. So this is going to be an interesting test too for that. Um, but you know, they're back in this, this playoff hunt, the Vikings, you know, uh, they they look good in DVOA, and I saw some people tweeting about their DVOA defensively. Mm-hmm. But man, and I know that the strength of opponent is accounted for to a degree in DVOA. But you look at these quarterbacks the Vikings have faced, uh, you know, out of their bye: Andy Dalton, Nick Foles, Bridgewater, Glennon last week, Stafford, who left the game, and Chase Daniel. I mean, it's been extremely light. Uh, now you've got kind of Brady again coming off of a loss, the first time they've lost, uh, you know, back to back games this season. Uh, coming out of a bye so I mean it's it's kind of feels like a, a get right spot but I thought this line would be a little tighter than where it is right now at six and a half um, because the, I think that the the Vikings still match up with the two wide receivers in the outside pretty well with how this Tampa Bay defense is played and they're going to force them to throw the football I mean you look at Dalvin Cook he's already averaged under three and a half yards per carry in three of his past four games and you're going against a Buccaneers team that's allowed the most rushing yards they've allowed 
the running back is 59 yards to Christian McCaffrey this season. So it's not going to be a game where they can just slam Dalvin Cook like they have the past few weeks, like they did against the Bears and last week where he needs a ton of carries. Even the Cowboys game, he needed a ton of carries to get there. Uh, they're going to have to rely on this passing game, I think. Cause they're going to give up points to, to, to the Bucs. Uh, yeah. But that's probably the most intriguing game. I love the Bucks team total as a bet uh, right now. And I know it's a little high, one on the higher side, but I definitely think that they're hanging 30 up in this game. Yeah, and I think you hit on a lot of the the, the good points here. Um, I don't have a play yet. I mean, I'm I'm kind of like keep trying to. I'm, I want to press the button on Tampa, uh, and I might end up doing it. Just want to take a look at some of these injury reports. I mean, the big injury report or big injury for the Vikings defense is Eric Kendricks. He mm-hmm. left the last game. He's got a calf injury. He didn't practice yesterday. I mean, he's he's the heart and soul of that defense because there's nobody left. Um, I mean, they they cut that uh, Holton Hill uh, recently. Like they they don't have anybody at corner. Um, to stay with these receivers. And like you said, I mean, look who they've faced. Yeah, they've won these games, but my God, I mean, Jacksonville and Carolina and Dallas, uh, Chicago and Detroit, like that's the, and then they played Green Bay when it was, uh, you know, hurricane level wins. And so Green Bay couldn't throw the ball, you know, not to make that excuse. And that's a good matchup for them because, you know, you could run on Green Bay. So they really haven't faced a good defense um, outside of the bears, which I'm not even sure they're a good defense anymore, but they only scored 19 on them. I mean, I, I don't, I just think they're a little bit, um, you know, kind of look behind the numbers a little bit there um, for, for Minnesota. And, you know, you've got, again, you got a defense that can stop the run. I mean, even though Tampa has struggled a little bit in the past game defensively, they, they will always stop the run. Uh, Todd Bowles defenses always do. And so I think, like I said, they can, slow down cook and it's a matter of you know can cousins make some plays through the air and I, in terms of injury report i mean jamal dean who's been really good for tampa in the corner he's also um he missed the last game against the chiefs and you saw the presence um you know his presence was missed so we'll see if he he can play that's another big injury report uh, matter so you know a couple things i want to just clarify first um but i think this is again a good you said good spot i think you're kind of um, you know, fading uh, Minnesota at a high spot with a bunch of wins, although they're ugly against bad teams. So maybe masking how bad they really should be here. Um, and you got Tampa off a bye. Maybe they fixed some things offensively. Let's hope that they worked on some things and maybe changed uh, some of the, you know, doing some of the more um, Tom Brady type of things um, that he's used to in New England. You know, maybe more of that. Godwin hopefully gets healthier. Uh, I, I heard he got the pins removed from his finger. So I, I think this could be a get right spot for Tampa here. Uh, I, I do like that team total um, idea. Uh, they're rich. Um, I think, I mean, look, if you're giving up 24 to Glennon and 28, uh, 27 to, to Teddy Bridgewater and 31 to Andy Dalton, they're like, there's no reason why um, Tom Brady can't put up, you know, uh, something in the thirties here as well. So um, I, I think I agree with, with all of that. Yeah, I think so much of this is going to be, you know, how much can Minnesota stay on the schedule they want to be on? Because like you said, they are a heavy rush offense. They use that in the play action to open up the deep shots. Kirk Cousins right now is, I think, the most accurate um, passer on deep attempts this season. That's because it's so much on uh, those bootlegs uh, and and all the rollouts off play action. uh, And they have those open deep shots that are being schemed up. You know, in in Cousins' uh, defense, he is making those throws. Uh, But when, you know, you do look at Tampa right now, they're, as you said, they're 
weeks one through nine, they were fourth in passing DVOA uh, on defense. They're 19th uh, since week 10. But like you said, the the rushing defense is still there. They were first from weeks one through nine. They are more first since week 10. They have gotten better and gotten a a bigger increase over the number two rushing defense uh, since week 10. So um, it's going to be, I think, a struggle potentially for Minnesota to keep that offense on the schedule they want to. And I think when you make Kirk Cousins a more straight drop back passer, and then you put him against that pass rush with you know Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul, I think that's when Minnesota is probably going to get into trouble. I think it, the other side of the ball is going to be interesting because I think you got the, the two rookies in Cameron Dantzler and Jeff Gladney are, are definitely playing better than they were. I think we saw early in the season, the rookie cornerbacks were, they usually struggle uh, when you first get into the NFL. And I think this year, rookie cornerbacks really struggled at getting in. I think they were the position group hit hardest from this uh, this shortened off season. But I think we've seen a, a bunch of rookies kind of get a little better. So Dantzler and, and Gladney, I think, have been getting better. I still don't think it, it's a great um, passing defense, although it has definitely improved. I mean, they were one of the worst passing defenses at the beginning of the year. Um, so I think Tampa Bay just, I think, still has the advantage for as – as you know, iffy as they have been up and down, they've still been you know really good. And I think outside of like the you know the the Saints game, uh, they've still been good enough. So I think that has kind of um, you know clouded what we think of Tampa Bay. Uh, so even their bad performances have still been pretty good, especially in, in relative to the rest of the NFC. So I do think they they still have just enough to to get past Minnesota without really much of a struggle here. And and we should always mention with Brady, like he struggles with pressure. Like we say this about a handful of quarterbacks, but it's so clear, you know, he struggled against the Saints and the Rams, like the teams that can get to him. Um, but teams that, that when he has time to throw, like he he is just he's been excellent. Um, you know, he, he's top top half of the NFL when when he's got a clean pocket. So um, you know, the, the, the Vikings are 25th in, in pressure rate, and that includes numbers, you know, with uh, Ngakwe. So, uh, and if Eric Hendricks doesn't play, like, where are they getting pressure from? Um, you know, so uh, I think this is uh, kind of set up perfectly for, for Tom Brady to have a big game. Um, so uh, I might be hitting the, uh, the Bucks here. Hopefully it stays under seven. But, uh, again, I'm just going to wait. I, that Kendricks news would put me over the top. If, if I see he doesn't practice today, I think I'll definitely um, hit Tampa. But, you know, another game that I like early, and I'd like to get your guys' thoughts, especially, Dan, with kind of your scheme uh, scheme opinion on this Miami-Kansas City game, because I, I took Kansas City yesterday at minus seven. I just – I'm not a Tua believer. Um, I don't think he can compete in a shootout. Um, he played better last week, but, again, who, who did he play? Played the Jets. Um, uh, so, you know, to me – or, sorry, who did he play last? Oh, they played Cincinnati. Sorry. Um, I would, if this was Ryan Fitzpatrick, I wouldn't take Kansas City here. That's that's what I, that's how much I feel is a difference. Uh, and I'd probably make this a two, two and a half point swing um, with, with with Fitzpatrick in the game versus Tua. But I just think you know Tua is not equipped to handle a shootout. Miami has lived off of turnovers um, in the last handful of of games and special teams advantages. You don't have that here uh, with this Chiefs team, well coached team. Um, Andy Reid historically has been really good on the road, 65% against the spread on the road. Um, they need to win this game. Now that Pittsburgh lost, you know, th- they have a shot to, to uh, be the number one seed in the AFC. And, you know, we talked about, you know, before this pod, like there's only one buy now. They're, the expanded playoffs, there's only one buy. This is huge for them. They've got to win this game. 
Um, and so I think that they're going to be motivated. And I think matchup wise, like the, we talked about this throughout the season, when we talk about the chiefs and Patrick Mahomes is he just feasts off teams that blitz him. And Miami's number two in the NFL in blitz rate. Now, again, I, you know, Brian Flores is, is a very, very smart coach and he knows a ton about defense and he's really good at this. So, you know, I'm sure he will have some, some things for, for Mahomes and he'll change things up. But from a scheme perspective, um, I think if they continue to blitz, you know, Mahomes will, will be able to beat this defense. And if they lay back, you can run the ball. I mean, look, Miami is one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. Um, and I think the Chiefs will just take that kind of like they did when McDermott decided to, um, you know, just kind of lay back and, and play, play deep coverage. You know, the Chiefs just ran the ball all day. So I think either way, you're kind of screwed when you go up against Mahomes. And again, I don't think if it wants the Chiefs come out, if they come out with a big lead, I just don't trust uh, Tua here to, to take advantage. And again, barring any turnovers, um, barring major turnovers for the Chiefs, I, I just don't see how Miami competes. So get curious your guys' thoughts, especially Dan, what, what you think kind of from a Flores versus a Mahomes um, standpoint, what do you see here? Yeah, I'll, I'll let Dan jump in a second, uh, just because I wanted to bring this up what, cause to lead into the Chargers, too, when you get there, is if you follow <laughs> this – well, if you follow – because earlier in the season, the Patriots played the Chiefs, and it was 6-3 to three at halftime, 13-3 to three through three quarters. Mahomes only threw for 236 yards in the game. That was the game that Brian Hoyer started, and they went to Stidham late. But if you follow this Brian Flores-Bill Belichick connection, where were Herbert's two worst games? The symmetry is these two games. We'll probably see it on Thursday, right? Uh, tonight yep. when it's being recorded because Flores dialed up basically a lot of the things that they did against Goff in the Super Bowl. Yep. Uh, they brought to the table earlier in the season against Goff and we'll see the Goff against the Patriots, you know, in, in that rematch, you know, tonight, uh, you know, or, you know, when people hear this. Uh, so I'm curious to see, yeah, like, does he borrow anything that Belichick and them did in that, you know, it was a week four game, but, you know, they held they held the Chiefs down in that game. Uh, definitely, and we're in that game with a backup quarterback. So I'm definitely curious to see that because I've been following it too. Because when Herbert had that game last week, I said, hmm, yep, all right, here we go. It looks just like the Flores, you know, kind of like the when, when he played the Dolphins two weeks ago yeah. and had those problems. Uh, the one thing is, yeah, if the Chiefs haven't covered. They, you know, the Chiefs are a moneymaker last year. They haven't covered in four straight games. So we're, they're due. They're due to lay one uh, for us uh, to, to just lay the wood on someone. But the one game that Tua did have to actually match on the scoreboard, he kind of did. They did have the one defensive touchdown. But that was his best game of the year was the Arizona game. So maybe maybe well, remember though, him. Remember, though, that game, Arizona did not have, like, any corners left. Yeah. There, there were, like, three corners in that game. Well, the thing about the Chiefs is, is the Chiefs have a great defense when they're up like 10. Right, exactly. But like, if, because if you can't, if they force teams to be one dimensional, that's when they're awesome. That's when Spag starts just ripping blitzes, blitz calls after blitz calls. But when teams are able to like, kind of just hang around game scripts with them, that's when you realize you're like, yeah, this Chiefs defense is kind of mediocre. And uh, so they really rely on that offense to kind of stake them to leads and really get going. And that really hasn't happened the past month. You know, teams that ever since the Jets game, you know, uh, all the, these past four teams have hung around with them and uh, been able to hang around with them because they, they're not just falling way behind. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it's definitely an intriguing game. I am more curious about the angle that you brought up, though, about this, you know, what the, the Patriots were able to do in week four and if Flores can channel any of that. Well, look, I mean, look who Miami has faced, too. I mean, their defense has been excellent, but, you know, from a... <laughs> From an opponent uh, perspective, I mean, I guess he did face Kyler, but he's not really a great – we talked about this. He's not like a, a in-the-pocket thrower. I mean, he they really only move the ball 
um, when he when he runs. I mean, the, the, here are their opponent um, DVOA pass offenses this season. They faced two in the top six. I mean, it was Seattle, um, and then I think uh, who did they face? We feel Buffalo, um, and both of those teams were able to score on them. You know, um, so I don't know when, when you're facing. Uh, the, the, they have uh, the single easiest schedule in the NFL. Uh, coming up to this point, they ha- just haven't really faced anybody um, to really worry me here. So I think that along with the Tua angle really um, says, okay, like this is, this is a big boy game. This is a step up, you know, who are you type of game. And I'm just not sure Miami is there yet with Tua. I, I just, like I said, if this was Ryan Fitzpatrick, I, I would feel different. I really would. Uh, I think that's how much of a difference he, he makes in the passing game, but you know, without them, uh, I just I don't think they can hang. Like you gotta you gotta score twenty points to cover this game if you're um, Miami, in my opinion. Um, and I don't I don't know if they can get there. So um, I don't know, Dan. What are your thoughts here? So we kind of hit on on a little bit of everything, and I think one of the things that you know, we have talked about a lot, uh, and why you know the Chiefs aren't covering, and why they've you know, been in some closer games is because of how opposing defenses have gone uh, against them this season, Um, uh, except for um, really uh, Tampa Bay, who was just like, we're going to play man coverage until we die. And they died. Um, A lot of teams have been, you know, sitting back using the kind of what we talked about Seattle, using those, those two deep safety looks, uh, not giving up the big play last week. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was 0 for 5 on passes that traveled 20 or more yards past the line of scrimmage. Uh, I think it was one of you know five games in his career where he didn't have uh, a deep completion. And I think we're just seeing that more. And three of those games have been in 2020. Um, so we're, we're just seeing that more. Teams are selling out deep. Um, and, you know, the Chiefs have been, I think the, uh, I wrote about it, two weeks ago, I think last week, I I don't know. Time doesn't make sense anymore. Um, But sometime recently I wrote about where teams are kind of targeting more and winning and the chiefs are, have been like the most efficient intermediate passing offense uh, in the league. And that's kind of because of the shift in, in how they've had to rely uh, on that area of the field. So I I don't think Miami is going to be super aggressive and playing, you know, the the zero blitz and man coverage. Um, I just think they're, they're too smart for that. And they're already, you know, fourth in uh, DVOA against deep passes. So I think they're going to be selling out there uh, a little bit. They're going to stop that deep ball from, from killing them. And I think they have the corners in, uh, you know, Xavier Howard and Byron Jones uh, to be able to stay with the, these guys. So I think it does give uh, an interesting uh, dynamic there where I think they could do just enough to keep these games close. And then, like you said, if they're like, how they have been in the past if they're playing back teams have been daring the chiefs to run and sometimes like that buffalo game they've been able to do it and they killed buffalo on the ground but miami's uh run defense started out as one of the worst in the league and like you said they, they haven't played you know a lot of great teams um but they have gone from uh 29th in rushing defense DVOA from weeks one to nine and they're 16th um, since week 10. So it's still not a great rushing defense, but it's good enough. And, you know, anytime you can get the chiefs to run the ball, even if it's against a bad defense, even if the chiefs are running well, um, 
that that's still a win. So I think that's probably going to be how they go into this game, daring the Chiefs to run, hoping they do it against a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who we don't know if he's going to be 100%. He was active last week, but didn't play at all. Uh, he was just an emergency option. If you're running Le'Veon Bell right now, that's a win for the defense uh, if the Chiefs are, are purposely doing that instead of throwing the ball. So I think we are going to see a lot of that. I think Miami will, will shift. I don't think it's going to be as blitz-heavy, but I think they do have the corners to hang with those receivers I think they do have the deep safeties uh that could potentially you know just kill those deep passes so it's completely shifting what the Chiefs are able to do uh on offense so I think it's probably going to be one of those closer than it should be games just because of how the game plans go on both sides and the Chiefs just they're okay with that because they know when they need to in the fourth quarter they have a play where they can turn it on and probably get that deep touchdown or, or and just drive down the field uh, hitting those intermediate passes and they can score. And we've kind of seen that all year where even if they're holding close, they still know they have that drive at the end of the game and they're still winning these games. So they're not going out of their way to have that, you know, with air raid offense uh, at, at the start of games. Uh, we've rarely seen that. And I think that's probably going to be what this game is again. Yeah, I mean, the past month, they've just said, screw it. We're not even going to try to run, though. Like, they're, like <laughs> they're, just, they're just like, we're going to drop back and throw every play. It kind of started around the Jets game, where even game script was in their favor, and they just said, screw it. And the Jets, where you're like, well, the Jets have a pretty good run defense. Um, maybe they just swerve into it. But then, like, the Panthers, who play just strictly zone, they were just like, now nah, and, and don't play the run well. They were just like, we're just going to drop back and throw. Uh, I think over the past, what, it's over the past five weeks, they have the highest, you know, pass rate in neutral game script. Uh, curious to see if that if that is in if the if a team's inviting them to run if they continue to ignore that but they've literally swerved and just saying yeah we're going to throw it and just keep throwing it and we're going to throw it some more. This is going to be I, I'm really I think it's going to be a great matchup. Um, like I said, it could just be a blowout, but I think it I comes down to, like you said though it really does fall on like the this game hinges on the performance of Tua. It really does. I mean, there's really no way around it. Um, is he, is he going to have to answer points or is he going to have to, you know, sustain drives? Like he's, he's got to do one of those two things. Um, so, I mean, it's good. It's really is going to come down to him stepping up. I thought he played well last week. Like you said, there's a, a competition factor, uh, that goes in against the, the Bengals defense at home. Uh, but it was one of the better games and they, and we saw them play with tempo last week for like the first time, like run more, run more, no huddle and tempo with Tua, uh, which I think is kind of, you know, it's vital. get him in a rhythm. Because this is an also a team. When you watch the Dolphins, there's not a lot there. No, there really isn't. Like, but it... <laughs> not a lot. But what about their? What in the world are they doing uh, in the goal at goal line? Oh, like yeah. it's they have <laughs> two. They, they literally have some two, fades, man. They have two oh. plays. It's one up the middle, or or it's a fade. Like they have no, uh, or they just throw it up to Gasecki. Like there's just no. I mean, are they? I think that to me, that's a sign because they don't do that with Fitzpatrick. That's a sign that they don't trust Tua. Really, because they don't want him to make a mistake. They're like, okay, get down there. When you throw a fade, you're not going to throw an interception on a fade um, or run it up the middle. Like, there's no in-between. There's no, you know, pick plays, nothing where, you know, you could cause a turnover. So that tells me they don't have a lot of faith from that perspective yet uh, in him in the red zone. And as someone who had a uh, – look, I talked about the A.J. Brown and the, the, the Browns, Tennessee, last week uh, in DFS, and I had Miles Gaskin as, like, my – I was like, there's nobody else to run the ball on that team. I had him in every lineup and he had what six opportunities inside the 10, whatever it was. It was just driving me insane that they just kept running him just up the middle in these jumbo formations or just throwing the fade. So anyway, you're, you're going to have to score against this chief team. So they're going to have to open that up when they get to the red zone uh, for sure. 
Um, and for me, like, you know, if Flores can win this game, like, man, he's going to, he's, he's coach of the year. If he wins this game, in my opinion, this is, this is kind of the litmus test. I mean, if he loses, then, you know, opens a door for a guy like Stefanski. Um, if he can, if he can win on Monday night to me, that's, that's what you're really betting here. So um, I'm really, really curious to see how this turns out. What else do we uh, want to hit uh, the, the quarterback duel uh, of the week? Taysom Hill, Jalen Hurts. I mean, what is? I'm ready. This is it's my wheelhouse, but I don't know how much uh, from a betting <laughs> side uh, people are going to be excited to talk about that game. This uh, is Rich's so, Super Bowl. <laughs> well, I mean, this is this is it because I love like bad quarterbacks that are good for fantasy because it drives people crazy, uh, and that's what you know what we kind of have in Taysom Hill. Uh, I know he has been better than a lot of people thought, but still, I mean, there's a lot to be written about, you know, Taysom Hill and this offense uh, and their effectiveness, um, especially when they face probably a good defense uh, that can actually have punch back too. And I don't think we'll have that here. Um, and the Eagles have been really bad against rushing quarterbacks too. So, I mean, uh, I don't know how much there is we want to get into the weeds in this game, but I'm excited to see Jalen Hurts play. Uh, he did struggle as a passer when he came in last week. I mean, he struggled, he was, he only completed one pass under pressure and he's going to be under pressure with one, that offensive line that he's playing behind and then two, the way the saints have been playing, but he's good. He can run, man. Like he can legit run too. Like this isn't a guy that like is just mobile and going to get like some rushing yards. Like he, he could rush for 100 yards for sure. Like it could definitely happen. I mean, he's that kind of rusher, that dynamic rusher. And he was a way better passer than like a Lamar Jackson coming out of college too. So it's going to be interesting to see how he adapts. But man, this Eagles offensive line is going to do him no favors. Uh, their receivers uh, are, are not good. Uh, and this is a tough spot, you know, for him against the Saints. Saints have lost 44 points over the past five games. That's it. Like, they're doing this. They do this every year. It feels like they're just trash on every defense year. for like six weeks. And then they just get awesome to like close the season. And like, here we are again. Um, Cause they're court. They've been missing guys like every week, like the past weeks, Janoris didn't play last week, two weeks ago, Lattimore didn't play. It doesn't matter. Well, here's the yeah, thing. Like when we talk about hurts and, and what, like, yeah, the offense line isn't good. I get it. But you know, and I, I got to find the numbers, but I tweeted it last week before um, the games in terms of Wentz. Like he holds the ball time to throw like that is not an issue. Like his time in the pocket is like middle of the pack, but his, like, if you look at sacks versus pressure rate, it's like, I think he's dead last. Like he's taken by far the highest percentage of sacks per pressure. These mobile guys do the same thing though. That's the problem. Like Hertz is going to be a guy that holds boxy. These guys extend, they want to extend plays. Uh, and that's why Hertz, I think Hertz took three sacks and what nine drop back or uh, 15 dropbacks last week. Uh, yeah, he did. You're in. right. But I mean, so, at I mean least... that's that's the other thing. Anytime you have these mobile guys, we've seen it with Watson, like you'll live with it though. Like you're like, all right, like we're going to take some negative plays, but like th- this guy's athletic. Right, because there's upside there. Right. The thing with, exactly. the thing with Wentz is he was so in his head, he was trying to avoid every single sack and yeah. then couldn't get the ball off. So there was no upside on the other side of this. I think with Jalen Hurts, you have that that scrambling ability where he can probably let go. Uh, you have that ability where he's just, he's probably going to let it rip uh, a little bit more. He's not going to be in his head as much as Carson Wentz was. And I think we, we saw that in a couple plays in Green Bay and it was a great passing performance uh but i think we saw that, that first play to rager and the touchdown those were just uh, even though those were like really the only two plays he made 
those are plays we haven't seen with Carson Wentz yet uh, this season. I think just because everything has compounded for Carson Wentz to not be good. He doesn't trust himself in the pocket, but he still wants to create plays and he doesn't trust the wide receivers down the field. So all of that has compounded into whatever ha- had been going on with the Eagles. So I think just playing looser is probably going to, even if like by accident, we, we get a couple of bigger plays. I think that'll probably be to Hertz advantage in this game. Well, I will say he did have a huge drop. I mean, Fulgham dropped a wide. I mean, he was wide open. It was easy first down, and I know it because I was watching and I had the Eagles uh, plus eight and a half, and so that cost me the cover because they, they then had he threw the interception and, you know, that Aaron Jones. But, um, you know, I wasn't a big fan of Hurts coming out because, you know, I saw him at Alabama. I mean, the guy got benched. He was not a good thrower at Alabama. He had to transfer. And then you go to Oklahoma and that system where guys are running wide open and you got CeeDee Lamb and, you know, your numbers look a lot better than they probably really are. And we're seeing like in the pocket, you know, Kyler has struggled in his career. Baker Mayfield has struggled. Like that system really does help you. So can you translate to the NFL and be, you know, a pocket passer and be accurate? So I'm not, um, you know, remains to be seen if he can do that here. Uh, So I think they have to tailor a little bit more to kind of some of those run packages um, for him, uh, I think to be successful, I'm not sure he's a guy who's just going to stand in the pocket and just, you know, pick you apart, especially a Saints defense like this. Um, so I don't know. This could be another under. I, I hit, I won that under last week with the Falcons and the Saints. And, you know, there's no reason to believe anything's going to change when Taysom Hill is your quarterback and you're just running all day. And, you know, he's making, you know, some safe throws. And he's actually been pretty accurate. At least he was last week. Um, you know, I think the clock's going to be running a lot and this could be kind of a grind. Yeah, because now game. you have both sides now. I mean, two running yeah, quarterbacks. Exactly. I mean, two, two, two mobile quarterbacks uh, um, factored in. I mean, I would have thrown a touchdown to Trey Smith on that first one, though. <laughs> like, pretty – I, I would have got that one there to him. <laughs> That's funny. Well, any, I mean, any other games that are standing out here for you guys? I mean, I think, um, you know, uh, I'll just give you a real quick couple bets I made. I mean, I took the, the over in the t- Tennessee-Jacksonville game at 52. Not going to talk a lot about it. I mean, I talked all week about the – or on the pod last week about how trash this Titans defense is, and they proved it against the Browns. Um, and they're going to be able to score on Jacksonville, so that's not a problem. So, I, Yeah, I Jacksonville like punches back, too. Like, they, they yeah. can score a little bit. They're not good. Glennon's been pretty awful, but at least he's <laughs> letting it rip. He's, he's, he's been a man of his word. He, Glennon said – Glenn said, I'm going to throw yeah, it down the field, and he has when, when When you're a bad quarterback, the, the high variance like that uh, is going to work. I think we kind of see that with Drew Locke, too, um, <laughs> except uh, that he's just not good. Uh, and can't hit the high variance too. I, I wrote about that in, in my piece about where, where teams are throwing. No team throws uh, – deep more than the Broncos and a few teams are worse at throwing deep, yeah. but I think we've kind of, <laughs> we've kind of seen uh, with, with Mike Glennon, they, they've hit just enough to, you know, be uh, okay. Uh, obviously it's not good. It, you don't want to be relying on Mike Glennon, but the, yeah, there's, there's just enough there, especially with the skill talent when D, uh, DJ Chark is healthy uh, that well, they can, they can punch back a little bit. Yeah. To prove your point, Glennon has thrown the ball uh, 20, thrown the ball deep. So 20 plus yards, 20.8% of his attempts. That's number one in the NFL. Um, and Denver is now number two at 18.2% with, with uh, Drew Locke. So yeah, he's definitely letting a rip and he's, you know, he's missed, he's missed a lot. <laughs> he's one of the, I mean, he's 23rd in accuracy, deep ball accuracy, but um, like I said, at least he's given it a shot. And so that helps with it, with an over, like if you hit a couple of those, that really helps. Um, and you know, again, this Tennessee team gives zero pressure. I mean, Baker Mayfield was had all day 
last week. Um, and then, you know, Dan, you did a great job pointing out some of the great designs um, to get, you know, guys like uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones open. And, um, and so, you know, I think they're, I'm not sure the design is going to be the same with Jacksonville on offense, but, you know, they're, they're going to be able to make some plays. So, um, you know, I think that, uh, I think they're going to be able to put up some points and look, Tennessee, oh, gosh, you know, everyone's giving, uh, has given Arthur Smith a lot of praise, but they did the, what you're not supposed to do. I mean, they, they started the game last week, just running up the middle with Derrick Henry on every first down. And it cost them because they, they fell into that, um, fell in that hole where, you know, the other side of the ball, the Browns were throwing early, you know, with that run game, they didn't care. They said, we're going to throw on you. So, you know, we'll see if uh, Vrabel has learned his lesson, you know, cause this, this uh, Jacksonville run defense isn't horrible. Um, you they're know, they not the worst. Took down. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're not terrible. They don't let up a lot of explosive runs, you know, 16th in explosive run percentage. They're, you know, top 10 in run and, and success rate on defense, you know, defending the run, but, they can't stop the th- you know stop the pass second worst in the NFL um, and they've allowed fifth most explosive plays through the air so like you can just get them through the air so like don't even worry about you know throw to win and then run to to close it out with Derrick Henry in the second half and you should be able to put up thirty points easy <laughs> so um, you know uh, that should be one that you know I-, I like that over and then another side I took um seems pretty obvious and i don't usually do this i don't usually take the kind of the obvious side but i'm on green bay um minus eight and a half it's just the matchup is just ridiculous um for aaron Rodgers in that pass game like who is defending Devonte adams like look look at what mitch trubisky did against that defense he completed over 70 percent of his throws last week uh, and he just it's just i know he has good numbers historically against detroit but I mean, that's the ridiculous to put up 30 points to allow 30 points to that Chicago offense is, is insane. Uh, we saw what Deshaun Watson and that offense did two weeks ago on Thanksgiving uh, against Detroit, let up over 40 points. So I don't, I'm a little nervous to see what Green Bay does against this defense. Um, I know they've been, they get frisky. Detroit does um, historically against the Packers at home, but I just don't see it here. Um, so I think uh, Green Bay can kind of name their, name their score um, on offense. And so, um, you know, how many is, is Devonte Adams going to be the highest owned player on the board here, Rich, uh, for, for DFS has got to well, be, he's so, ex- he's so expensive. Uh, you know, doesn't matter. He's, he's not a free square, but I mean, remember, it's just like when they played in week two, that the obvious, the passing game is the obvious play. And that's when Aaron Jones is the obvious tournament pivot and had 240 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, this defense is still allowed the most rushing touchdown or the most running back touchdowns in the NFL 23. And they allowed three to the bears who only had two on the season coming into last week's game. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. It, it, the, the lions were the third team to fire a coach and then come back and cover the week after the, oh, yeah. they, all the players openly just talked about like how relieving it was to not play under Matt Patricia. It was amazing. Uh, how many people were just openly candid about like, you know, it was just fun playing football again. Like football was fun again for us. Oh yeah. And um, I, look, I had the, I had the lions plus three and a half and they shouldn't have covered that game. Let alone no. Win. Oh, absolutely. It was, they were down 10 with like five minutes to go or something. Like, and yeah. uh, as we're talking about kind of Mike Lennon as, as the yellow quarterback kind of not knowing if he's going to get this opportunity again, uh, we're Daryl Bevel uh, a little bit of that too, as a yeah. play caller, they still ran a little bit, but he wanted to open up, the offense and I think we might see that a little bit especially if they get themselves uh, into a shootout uh, with Green Bay where they kind of have to run but uh, Daryl Bevel doesn't know if he's ever going to get a, a chance
chance to be a, a head coach again. Uh, so I think he's uh, he wants to uh, open up uh, a little bit too. So we could see that uh, with Matthew Stafford and you know uh, Marvin Jones has been good a little bit. I did Kenny Galladay is probably just sitting out until free agency. He doesn't seem like uh really needs to get back on the field uh at all but uh yeah it could be interesting and and green bay uh another one of those teams uh they throw it deep at the the second highest rate in the league uh third highest epa per play so uh, they are a team that uh wants to throw deep uh and is very good at it uh and uh detroit doesn't really have anyone who's going to be able to stop them um, i mean we we got not not that i have to point this out but you know detroit's a bottom five pressure defense and Aaron Rodgers, number one in the NFL in QB rating with a clean pocket. So it's just like, I mean, it's just going to be numbers throughout the board, you know, all over the board. And look, if, if I'm assuming Galladay's out, and let's say, Alex, I don't know if Alexander even cares about shadowing Marvin Jones, but let's say he does spend a lot of his time there. I mean, is Cephas work, uh, worth a look there, uh, uh, Rich? I haven't run the numbers. I know he caught that touchdown last week. Him and Amendola could be nice, tournament, you know, cheap tournament plays. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, you could you could you could take them as a you know if you're you know game blocking that game or as a run back spot, but uh, yeah, they they both require definitely a leap of faith, uh, just as a as dart throws. Yeah. Well, so that that's another one. I think like I said I don't usually do that, but this is just a, I mean just the and the Green Bay clinches the division. Not like there's any question, but they clinch the division with a win, so they still have motivation and there's no home field anymore. So I don't really care that Detroit is at home. So. It's just like this is this is kind of like that Houston game a few weeks ago that Green Bay played. Um, just all the numbers, just everything, no pressure. They can't stop. There's no secondary. Like there's just nothing you can do. You're you're, you're kind of at the mercy of uh, Aaron Rodgers when you don't pressure him and you can't stop the, the um, you know stop anybody in the secondary. Like you have no you have no shot of of stopping. Him. Like there are plenty of teams that can when when you could get pressure on him. Uh, but in this case, there's just no way. So in a, in a perfect environment in the dome, it's just like, you know, 35 plus is just easy. Um, so uh, decided to go ahead and, uh, and hit, uh, hit Green Bay there. Um, but, you know, any, you wanted to talk about the Chargers, uh, Rich, my favorite team. Um, uh, anything you got there for us? Because I, I, I actually got a, got a pick on that game. Yeah, I saw that. You can run with it uh, as we're going against the clock here. I definitely want to hit both these primetime games, too. So go ahead and run the Chargers down uh, real fast. I'm not putting any money on or against the Chargers the rest of the year. Uh, I've already just made this piece with myself, but uh, go for it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, look, I I vowed last week I wasn't going to touch them. I mean, I had that rant on them, right? And, you know, Dan defends Anthony Lynn, and he loses 45 nothing. So that – didn't defend Anthony I, Lynn. I said the Chargers like Pearl him. Harbor, Dan. He's quoting Pearl Harbor, Dan, and comparing Pearl Harbor to the Chargers situation. <laughs> no, I'm just giving you a hard time. But, like, what, look, the best thing about Anthony Lynn is he go, before the game, he, he – or you know, during the week, he says, oh, yeah, we're eliminated from playoff race. Like, you go, all right, sure, like, tell your team that you have no shot of even – you know, why even play? Why even show up anymore? the motivation, um, you know, factor just wasn't there either. But, um, but yeah, to me, this is just, if, if they didn't get shut out last week, I probably wouldn't take this side, but you know, historically that's one of my favorite angles is taking teams off a shutout uh, who are underdogs the next week. I mean, we're on a 19 and six ATS run since 2015 in that spot where or you're off a shutout, everyone hates you. And you know, you come back next week as, a, as an underdog. I mean, I think they would have been probably favored. Like, let's say they would have lost to New England by 10 points. They'd be favored here probably over Atlanta, um, or at least it'd be a pick up. But if you can get the three, I think it's good value. You've got two teams. There's, if, there's one team that can match the um, uh, futility of the Chargers in terms of close games 
in terms of losses, it's Atlanta. So it's not like you got a team that really has the pedigree of blowing you out. I mean, this is going to be a close game pretty much no matter what. Um, and you look at what happened last week with, with the Chargers. I mean, uh, Cam Newton threw for, what, 60 yards or whatever it was. They just ran all over them, and they couldn't – and special teams was a complete mismatch. Um, Chargers have the worst special teams in the NFL. feels like every year they do. Atlanta's 22nd in special teams. Like, they make plenty of mistakes uh, in coverage. So that, that's not really a place you can take advantage. Um, Atlanta does not run the ball. I mean, with Todd Gurley, they're, they're horrible running the ball, and that's where you get the Chargers because uh, they're one of the worst defenses in the NFL uh, defending the run, and that's what you know, Cam Newton did against them last week. Um, so you're going to have to throw the ball. And look, the, the Chargers – are really good pass defenses are number two in the NFL in success rate. Like they're really good. They get Chris Harris back. Um, secondary is still really good and you can get pressure on, um, on Matt Ryan. We saw it with the saints the last couple of weeks. So I think they can do some damage here against this Falcons team. It's just a, from a matchup perspective, it, it, it fits from a coaching perspective. Raheem Morris has you know, done a good job, but he's not like he's got, he's not a bill Belichick versus Anthony Lynn uh, advantage and special teams are kind of both bad. So, all of that uh, mixed in with the the kind of the off the shutout embarrassment. I mean, it just makes sense. You're an NFL team. You just got shut out. Like you're focused the next week. You're motivated to come out and improve that you're not as bad as what you what you just saw. It's just like perfect from a betting standpoint uh, to fade fade the, uh, the kind of the public perception and the recency bias. Um, nobody wants to bet the Chargers here. I get it, and that's exactly why I love them here. So <laughs> I'm going to take them at at plus three and. By, you know, follow me on Twitter because by, you know, I'm sure by seven o'clock, I'm just, uh, Eastern Standard Time, I'm going to be uh, swearing off Anthony Lynn again. But, you know, I like I mean, I'm openly rooting for it just for the show <laughs> next week for you to start the um, show again. As, like going listen, through I, the motions. This will uh, be it. This will be the uh, last time if you can't do it. <laughs> I promise. Listen, if Falcons Chargers fourth quarter might just completely just break the space time continuum. Like I, how, how is that going to just be a thing we're, we're allowed to do in 2020? If Todd Gurley doesn't run backwards or eight yards on that. Second yeah, but that's, that's a Falcons thing to I do. Mean, why do you run like going there? against it? Yeah, I mean, it's thing that's amazing. going to. All right, let's, uh, let, let's hit on, uh, on some good teams uh, before we get out of here. Yeah, Steelers, Steelers Bills. Uh, that is a very fun Sunday night football game. Um, mm-hmm. it, it has completely kind of shifted our expectations of what's going to be happening in the AFC right now with the Steelers having their, their first loss. They now look beatable. I mean, they've kind of looked beatable uh, for the most of the season, really. Uh, but they were able to just uh, eke out these wins. But uh, I think we've kind of seen what they their their struggles in uh, in the run game have really stopped them. And Ben Roethlisberger has to throw a lot, but it's so so often you know short. Uh, they're not able to hit those deep passes. They don't have enough explosive uh, passes in the passing game. You see when when they're not just feasting off turnovers. Um, that that's when uh, this team can be beatable. And I think against uh, a Bills team that's going to be able to uh, score points. I mean, Josh Allen was on uh, just uh, another world um, last week. Uh, and I think when you have those wide receivers, I just wrote about them uh, for for the site uh, about just how deep and how versatile this uh, this wide receiver group is. And they just have guys who can beat you in just about any way possible. Um, so this is, I think, one of the most fascinating um games we can uh, see this week and uh, I think it's fun that it's on Sunday night and it could completely shift uh, what the AFC looks like heading into uh, the last couple weeks of the season yeah I mean I looked at this line at first and 
I, it's, it's getting bet the other way and barring, you know, I, I haven't really gone into the weeds on the weather yet, but I mean, this total looked way too low for me. I don't know. And there might be some weather stuff that comes up and we'll have to keep track on that. But I thought this game opening at 47 and a half and now it's down to 46 and a half. I mean, this is, this game is all the makings to be higher scoring than people believe. And we've got two teams that come out and just want to throw the football all over the place. And the Steelers, have had the last two weeks they haven't had normal weeks at all on any level and not only they had normal weeks in preparation i mean they've lost some of those high variance plays i mean drops uh not not converting red zones uh red zone possessions uh and you know fourth downs at the end at both games that that happened uh so i mean they can still score points uh especially on this bills defense i believe that they can come back and get in the 20s and i think that they can give up in the 20s too um if not more i mean they've only played two moderately good offenses the ravens with lamar jackson and they they combined for 52 points and the titans they combined for 51 uh and then they placed deshaun watson earlier in the year and they give up you know it's combined 49 points the rest of these games they haven't played any offenses that can really score they've got a they're starting to stack injuries defensively uh i just think when you have two teams that come out and they inherently want to throw the ball as much as these two teams do and they have the playmakers to be good at it i mean this this game total feels like a gift like it has to be something going on with the weather uh, when this comes down to it, because I don't see how this game is under under 46. I just don't know. I, I think both teams are going to score points. For whatever it's worth, Rich, and again, my numbers aren't gospel, because uh, I just I didn't touch the total, but I've got it at 45. Just for whatever it's worth, um, you know, adjusted for opponents and things like that, um, run through all the numbers and, and kind of uh, play splits. So, I, again, I, I don't know. I don't have an opinion on it. I didn't bet that's um, – Yeah, I had it at 49, and I know Warren had it at 51. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, I mean, it's I, – I mean, I'm. you have two teams that just want to throw – they throw the ball in early downs, the, the highest rates in the NFL. Uh, the, you're, you're getting a lot of play volume uh, from these teams. And I don't – I think the Steelers' defense is probably a little overrated right now. And I think the Bills can definitely scheme things up to put the Steelers, you know, in a bind, you know, defensively. They have the, the personnel to do it. And, uh, I mean, well, it's interesting yeah. is, is when you look at this, it's going to be a fun game. Yeah, they, so they, they, I mean, we've talked about all year, like you can get to the Steelers if you throw deep, right? Like you could get, get it to them over the top. And so you need, you need, you need to evade the pressure. So if he doesn't get pressured um, and you can evade it and extend some of these plays and take some shots, I think that's where you really, you really can hit. And, you know, Hayden is hurt. He left the last game. Who knows if he'll play. So that's a, that would be a huge loss because their secondary is not that good, um, you know, in coverage. And so that, that's a big loss. And Spillane at linebacker, um, he's probably out. So, um, you know, they're going to have to – and we know Bud Dupree's out too. So, you know, they got to replace some guys. I mean, I took the Steelers just because I think it's an overreaction. And, you know, I have this game as a pick em And, um, you know, I actually teased the Steelers to eight and a half. I just give me a little more comfort. I mean, as much as I've talked about – Mike Tomlin on the road as a big favorite is just like a horrible, he's just a horrible coach in terms of covering the spread. And I constantly fade that Uh, he's actually one of the best, if not the best as a uh, road underdog against good teams. So, I mean, in his career, 18, 11 against the spread uh, 62% against teams with a winning record on the road um, and seven straight covers and nine of the last 10 uh, he's covered here since uh, dating back to 2016 um and in terms of you know road as a road underdog of three or less he's 10 and four so like he has a track record of motivating his guys when they need to be motivated here 
Um, so this is a spot that he normally does well. Now it doesn't factor in the, you know, that these guys are playing on a short week and um, they have these injuries and, um, you know, Buffalo's playing well, but just, just from context purposes, um, you know, I think there might be a little bit of overreaction here. And, and again, this is Mike Tomlin is a motivating coach. That's what he is known for. And when he sees that the world is now saying that they're overrated and they can't play well, like this is the spot that, Typically, you know, they would show up here. Um, and then, you know, from, from a Josh Allen perspective, like he's, he was awesome, I thought, on Monday night against the North 49ers. Um, they had no, no chance to, to do anything against them. You know, but it really hasn't um, – when he's faced good defenses, you know, New England and um, even Arizona, who's got a good secondary in general, you know, he struggled a little bit. Has he faced pressure in, in a secondary like this? I mean, when he faced the, the Chargers, I talked about their pass defense two weeks ago. He was very mortal. I mean, threw for like 150 yards, um, got sacked a bunch. He, looked, he did not look good. So, you know, is that the type of performance we're going to see against the Steelers defense? I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think there's it's probably somewhere in the middle. Um, but I think there's plenty of opportunity here for the Steelers to make plays. And if there's one run defense that, you know, you want to face uh, when you're struggling, you know, the Buffalo is, is, is one of those run defenses that, um, you know, has struggled. So um, I, I just think from a, from a tease perspective, you know, I talked about you, you could, you could bring down the Packers down here with, with, uh, with the Steelers. Um, you know, uh, you can, you could look at Tampa, you could look at the giants. I think there's a couple of tease opportunities here, but I think the Steelers are a perfect spot to cover it, you know, eight and a half. Um, from a T's perspective. So, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see, uh, you know, Rich, if, if this, day, this game does go over, like I said, I haven't checked the weather. I don't know if you had a chance to look at the. No, I haven't. So that, it could be why it's getting hit. I don't know, but uh, okay. it's moving the other direction, but I thought it was kind of glaring. It just, when it opened, I said, this game is, because just like I said, you look at teams that inherently what they want to do offensively. And I'm oh, not well. a firm believer in the I'm I'm more of a believer in the Bills offensive scheme than I think I am of what the Steelers have, you know, personnel wise and based on their schedule. Not that I think the Steelers are bad defense at all. We know they're going to blitz and they're going to, you know, create havoc. But I think the Bills definitely have the personnel to really scheme some things up. I've. I, I've been like a pretty much a Bills fan, I think, from week one. Just the way they came out of the gates and the way they're operating offensively. Uh, A-ball's been awesome. They're one of my – they've just been one of my favorite teams yeah. to root for this year because they do everything. Like, if I was running a team, like, I'd be – they don't care about their running backs at all. No no team gets less production out of their running backs in terms of context of their offensive yards than the Bills. They don't care. Uh, they, they, they do everything. They run play action at a higher rate than Josh Onabraz. They throw he's, – he's first in the NFL in first uh, pass attempts that come on first down. They're just doing everything. Like, if I was creating an offense and the things I'd want to do, they're doing – um and they're number one in the nfl and success rate on first down they're, they're yeah, awesome they're, and early down yeah. sorry yeah yeah they, so i mean they've just been a team that i've been kind of like really excited to kind of watch week in and week out so for the um, record i just pulled up the app uh looks like sunday night um it's going to be overcast and we're talking wins you know in the let's see winds at game time look to be about 15 to 18 miles an hour wind gusts in the mid twenties. So, you know, there could be a little bit, but these, you know, both these guys, especially Allen, he's got strong arm. Well, Ben's only Ben's, throwing it six yards down. Yeah. Field. Ben's not throwing it deep. <laughs> yeah, anyway. yeah. There's, there's no airtime on any of those passes. So uh, it's not, the wind's not going to, you cannot sack Ben Roethlisberger. It's, it's actually impossible. <laughs> it's actually true. Um, uh, so let's, let's hit uh, Ravens Browns just uh, really quickly. I think we have uh, an interesting Ravens team that uh, kind of looks to get a little bit back on track with, especially, uh, you know, a little bit on the ground. They hit some, uh, 
some passes uh, against Dallas uh, on when was that game Tuesday night? I have no idea. Everything is has completely just uh, completely just meshed together uh, in my mind. There's been way too much football uh, this week. Um, so you know, but I think Lamar Jackson. I think it's. Um, you know, at the positive of how he looked coming off of uh, uh, have, t- having tested positive for COVID in his first game back, I think we saw Cam Newton really struggle in his first game. You know, it, it wasn't a great game, but I think we saw that he still had, you know, some of his athleticism. They were able to do that a little more. They they hit a couple uh, nice passes, but then we got the Browns, uh, who well, just kind of like we talked about before, just completely, you know, out-tightens the, the Titans, uh, completely uh, killed on, on play action. And that's something where I'm not sure if the Ravens are going to be as susceptible to uh, those types of plays as the Titans were. So I think we're going to see something a, a lot tighter there. Um, and, and I'm not sure if Cleveland right now, the way their defense uh, is set up, if they're going to be able to stop Lamar Jackson, if he's able to get that ground game uh, going again. So uh, as we uh, quickly uh, hit on this game before we get out of here, uh, how are you guys looking at this? I Yeah, I thought it was a little bit of overreaction that the Browns, essentially that line, that line probably should be three for the Ravens if I um... – I had to guess. I mean, I, 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 uh, I think from a run defense perspective, the Browns are playing a lot better lately. They're ninth in the NFL in EPA rush defense the last five games. And that includes obviously Derrick Henry here. Um, and they had to face a bunch of teams that were running because of, uh, because of the weather. So, you know, they've actually done a good job. They brought a, a fifth defensive lineman to start the game last week to defend Henry. So I think from scheme perspective, they're doing a really nice job um, in spots like this, where we know that the, the other, the opponent's going to, going to run the ball. And I'm still not convinced that Lamar Jackson's got his throwing mechanics fixed and just kind of he's seeing the field great. We'll say the one area you want to attack this Browns team, we talked about it in, in the past, is this, you know, with the safeties. So Mark Andrews does come back. Um, so that's a really big uh, key for, for the Ravens to get him back and um, or he's expected to be back. Um, I don't know if it's official yet, but um, he, he could have a really big game. But otherwise, I'm not impressed with this Ravens passing game enough to think that this is a blowout either way. The big issue uh, with the Browns is obviously Baker Mayfield always struggles against pressure, always struggles against the blitz. So if the Ravens can get there, um, you know, it could cause trouble. But the Ravens defense has not been great. I mean, they they were not that good again. I mean, they, Dalton almost threw for 300 yards against them. I don't think they have been the same. Jimmy Smith was out last game against Dallas. We'll see if he comes back. He's a big key there. I just think it's a good tight game, Mike. I don't, I don't think this is a blowout either way. I think the Browns, you know, um, might be a little bit ahead of schedule here, and maybe they're slightly overvalued after that big, uh, the big win against Tennessee. Um, you can get the Ravens at like twenty-five to one, by the way, to win the Super Bowl if you want some value. So, because um, they've got an easy schedule after this Browns game the rest of the way, so they're going to probably they have a really good shot of making the playoffs. So. Um, from that perspective but I think it's a tight game I don't think there's a ton of value either way I would lean Ravens maybe take Browns you know if you can get over seven in in a teaser spot here Um, but it's going to be it's too bad the fans are not allowed because this would be a really loud and fun game Um, you know old rivals so um, it will be uh, will be fun to see if the Browns can can move the ball against this Ravens defense and stop them obviously uh, on the ground. It's a tricky game to look at you know from like a, a, a matchup stance uh, because where you want to beat the Browns is through the air right now. And then, you know, vertically, especially with the injuries they've got in the back end. But, you know, you've got this Ravens team, like we're, we're not going to count on them to really just line up and, and beat anyone passing the football. 
Uh, so kind of a weird spot. The last three times these teams have played, it's been a blowout in either direction. Like n- none of these games have been close that they've played. Uh, so it would be nice to see if they actually play a close game. Uh, also, you know, a lot of love to both James Conner and Mark Andrews coming back uh, off of COVID. You know, those are two guys that probably, you know, you're, you're definitely scared of to see pop up on the list. You know, Connor giving his history, you know, in battle with cancer and, you know, uh, Mark Andrews is type one diabetes. So both those guys being able to get over the illness and, you know, kind of come through relatively unscathed. Uh, good to see that those guys are able to come back and play football. They also get Willie Sneed back, which I know seems laughable, but Willie Sneed has been number one, man. <laughs> he's, he's a kind of productive, man. He's, a, he's, he's kind of been a lot more productive than Marquise Brown, um, which is intriguing, but I, I mean, no, no one's really just expecting the Ravens to come out and beat you passing. And I don't know if they're capable of doing that. Like TA said, Lamar Jackson, even in that game on Tuesday night, like still, I mean, there's, there's throws that you got to hit. Um, but it was good to see him run it, running around. The Browns did shut down their run game all the way back in week one, if that even matters um, at this point. Um, and then the, defensively, the Ravens have sagged down, especially in a pressure rate, but it's tough to get a pulse on just how much has what they've gone through impacted, uh, you know, who they've, they've just been having so many guys on and off the field the past, you know, five games that it's hard to even really get a, a pulse on it, like what they're going to bring to the table on Monday night. Cause they weren't particularly good on Tuesday. Uh, you know, if Zerline makes – two or three of those kicks like that game's closer and they might be in jeopardy of not covering or that game's tighter as it moves to the end. Uh, but it does always come down to, as always with the Browns is Baker Mayfield. Uh, like he's really great when they're moving him around and he doesn't have to stand in the pocket and they, they, he gets no pressure. Uh, but anytime he has any semblance of pressure, I mean, the, the guy can't throw, he sees ghosts in the pocket and he runs himself into trouble and these Browns wide receivers, like they still relatively have to be schemed open. Like they don't have a lot of guys that went on that just win on their own um, where they are. So, I mean, it's just, it's a very tough game. I think to get a pulse on, I don't know how I feel about it, you know, come Monday night or even if I'll touch it and just kind of just let it, let it ride. But uh, it does feel like Baltimore's probably the side, but they, again, that could be just kind of fool's gold where we're just putting too much stock into what we believe the Ravens can be at their ceiling uh, as opposed to where they actually are right now. Yeah, it's so interesting looking at the Ravens, a team we like generally think is is put together well. But on Tuesday night, watching like Noah Brown and Cedric Wilson for the Cowboys, and thinking like if they were on the Ravens, they'd be getting like a hundred targets uh, because like those would be like yeah. the top two guys. Um, and and it's interesting as we've talked about kind of the Ravens fall off here on defense. I'm looking at their DVO, DVOA splits right now. In past defense, they were six from weeks one through nine. And they're 21st since week mm-hmm. ten. Um, against the run, they were second from weeks one through nine. They're 20th uh, since week 10. Uh, so that is a pretty significant drop off. A lot of this play is Campbell, I will right, say. Right, it is. It has been a, a lot of, you know, pieces that ha- haven't been there. Um, uh, they haven't been there at, at full strength. So we'll see. I think they are getting uh, some of those guys back. Calais Campbell should be back on the field. Um, I believe and that that's a, a big part. So, um, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. It's just uh, two uh, more flawed teams than, you know, we thought. And, um, you know, whether it's a smart bet or not, who knows. But it, it should be an interesting uh, game.
game to watch. And I think uh, for all three primetime games that we got this week uh, should be uh, fun and interesting, which uh, I think at this point in the season is really uh, more than we can ask for at at this point. So um, I think we're going to end the show here. Uh, You could follow uh, Rich on Twitter at Lord Reeves. You can see all his work on Sharp Football Analysis, read the worksheet, the the best fantasy, um, just information of literally anything you could hope for, for a fantasy perspective uh, is in that. You follow TA on Twitter at CleveTA. You can see his betting preview will be up shortly at Sharp Football Analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Pizzuta. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.